This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together. And since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Brett Figueroa, thank you so much for being flexible today. All right. <laughs> and showing oh, up yeah. and being here for me and my audience. It is such a privilege and an honor. So thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, somebody once said a long time ago, I don't remember who it is, they said flexibility is power. So for me, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to be flexible. And yes. So thank, so, you, thank you for your, thank you for yours. I appreciate that as well. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm and so thrilled to, to be, be talking here. with you. Yeah. I mean, just for the audience and we're going to dive into your background and everything, but you have trained sure. hundreds of thousands of people. You've yes. given over 3000 presentations and you yes. were trained and were on Tony Robbins teams for many, many years, right? That is correct. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And you have a very interesting story. And I'd mm. love for you to share that because when I come across a guest that has truly had to go from nothing up to, you know, a huge success story such as yourself, and I know it wasn't always easy and we all have roadblocks and twists and turns that we have to deal with. I love to highlight that story because it it's it's such a great story of resilience that people need to hear it because I know that there's people out there that will hear your story and be like, you know what, what I'm going through isn't as is hard. So if he can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to, to to dive into that for a bit. And I appreciate that, uh, Sandy, because I um, I think everybody has a story, you know, to some degree. Yeah. Some are definitely better and more interesting than, than other stories, you know, uh, like <laughs> like any like anything else. Uh, and so I, I, I think, you know, my story's fun and intoxicating, uh, you know, for some uh and then for others it's it's what it is you know they're looking well that's cool and um so but i think that i and i love to hear people's stories like if there's anything that i love to hear like i i think what people really want to kind of you know kind of get in tune with are people that are overcomers like themselves 
Yes. Like, you know, who really truly cares about the guy that got rich and then just got richer? <laughs> like, who cares? like, you know, it's like, yeah, I was rich and then I got richer here. You don't want to buy my book right. so that I can even get richer. Right. Like, we, we like stories of like, you know, people that ate out of a trash can and like lived by 7-Eleven and, you know, with like steel coffee and stuff, <laughs> like, <laughs> like real gritty, nasty, right. like people go, wow, that's cool. Like, yeah. and you're, and you got out of that and into this, like, okay, now you're talking now, you know, because, exactly. you know, so I kind of, for me, I think with my story, it's really to kind of just to kind of break the myth that for many people have. Um, about myself and about my work uh, just because you know it's almost like an actor right it's like you, we only see the end result or an right. athlete we just see the end result right we just see him on the court Steph Curry with the Warriors killing it crushing it banging three pointers every second just bam 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 but we don't see the the the, the dedication and the hard work and the injuries and all the things that go on in people's lives and so I think that for your audience and, you know, whoever your listeners are that will either watch it or listen to this podcast is just whatever you got going on. I believe that there's definitely, a, you know, there's definitely some resilience to yourself because you're still in the game, right? you know, and that's really cool. I said to my son, as he uh, come, came over and sat, we sat at my kitchen table for about three hours. I said to my son, I said, you know, I said, his name is Grant. And I said, Grant, I said, you know, I'm really happy about a couple things. I said, of course, I'm happy about a bunch more than a couple things. But I said, one is I'm happy I'm not in prison. And I said, two, I'm happy I'm not um, in a grave, you know, that I'm not dead. I said, because I think all human beings, for the most part, have made wrong choices, wrong decisions, you know, wrong turns in life that could have landed them either in a grave or in a prison box. That's right. But for, but for somehow we avoided that, you know, so for we either escaped and got out of that situation. However, we escaped, jumped, whatever fence to go, God, am I glad I didn't get caught. Because you know? <laughs> if I did, I know where I'd be right now. I'd, I'd be in That's right. prison. I'd be in prison. So whatever the story is, at the end of the day, I just said to my son, I'm really glad I'm not in prison. I'm not in a box. And the fact is that I really should be in uh so but anyway so for your listeners so i think it's you know whatever your story is whatever you got going on i think it's really to be able to look at your story and say how do you take your how do you take your 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 mess uh and turn it into a message because you know we all have a message but how our mess but how and again some are much messier than others um i had one person i was working with uh, a couple of years ago nicholas and you know i was talking about how Tony would always tell me and say to me, he's like, Brett, your story is your brand. And, you know, I'm talking to this guy, Nicholas, about his story. And he just didn't have one. <laughs> like, grew up with the greatest family, had the, you know, all the everything just thrown into his lap, you know, monthly vacations or court, whatever they, whatever they did. So we had to, you know, figure out what that was to, to reposition what that looked like in the marketplace. But again, whatever that story is. So I think it's, really about how, what one is willing to overcome in their life. And so for me, I think from just day one, I've just I've been an overcomer. So, you know, a lot of people only know my Tony Robbins story forward. 
And so for years, that was really all I shared. They go, oh, you went to work with Tony Robbins, he's a great speaker, yada, yada. Uh, you know, probably went to a great college, you know, educated dude, blah, 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 blah. You know, again, kind of my, my work that I do t- in today's world is really for to really uh, break the myth of all of that is is really more of an illusion than anything else because I don't have any of that. I'm just a I'm just a, a dude that, uh, that, that did terrible in school, got terrible grades, uh, you know, um, suspended all the time. Uh, and uh, I just after 50 years found out who my foster parents were. So I was in a foster home from age three to six. And my parents would never tell me who my foster parents were. So 50 years later, I find out who my, fo- my, my foster sister comes and finds me after 50 oh, wow. years. Yeah, after 50 years. So then I meet my foster mom, Beverly. Now Beverly's like 90. She was like 88 when we first reconnected. My foster brother, Michael, my foster brother, Patrick. So I was in a foster home from three to six and I uh, got out at age six. And uh, when, when I got out, I went back to my parents' house. And my dad was a very, very violent man, grew up in a very bad part of the world. And the only thing he knew was physical violence. He just break stuff and, you know, what mm-hmm. have you. So he decided to break his hand on my face and my, my brother's heads on uh, one night. And so he comes back the next day with a cast on his hand, wants me to sign the cast, you know, like, you know, like sign it. And, uh, you know, so very, very violent. And uh, so I decided at age nine to uh, go into the house, grab some matches out of the kitchen at age five, uh, woke up from a nighttime of resting, and uh, went into the kitchen, grabbed some matches, and I threw them into the couch and basically said, F you, uh, to you and your house, you ever touch me again, I- I'll probably do something even worse than burn down the house. Uh, so it was really like, you know, something out of a movie where, you know, a young wow. nine-year-old kid or a young nine-year-old kid goes and says, you know, not by accident either, very, very deliberate, very, yeah. don't ever touch, don't touch me again. Uh, you know, break, break, start breaking stuff on my face uh, like that and burn down the dad's house, burn down my mom's house. And, you know, I, I became the hero because I'm like, fire, got everybody out to the street. And we all, you know, did our stuff and what have you. And, you know, watched our house burn down. And so then uh, about age 10, I said, you know, I'm out. I said, I can't handle this. I'm not going to get beat anymore. I'm not going to deal with, you know, running, running and burning down houses. And I said, I'm just going to get out. I'm just going to die. So I just decided I'd just commit suicide somehow. So I remember going upstairs, taking a knife and, you know, young 10 year old kid at that time. And I was just like, as I look at my kids today, I'm just like, oh my God, like, mm. and it was just pure, pure torture. And my dad, nobody knew that I burned down the house. It was all mystery. I just kept everything a mystery. Nobody knew. And so uh, we got, we had moved and as we had moved, uh, my dad would wake me up from 11 o'clock at 11, or he'd wake me up in the middle of the night and he would grab me by my arm and he would drag me down the hall and throw me into the garage to sleep on the floor on the cement, just directly on the cement floor. And I did that for several years and then I'd walk to school for the next couple hours, uh, a couple miles. And it's just brutal. I just, I said, you know, basically F you, I'm out. And age 17, I moved out into a world of drugs and alcohol and uh, no no college, no college friends. I just got off the phone right before you and I got on uh, with my 85 year old friend. And I met his son at age 24, where he just graduated UCLA and now he's super, super off the grid successful and lives in Austin, Texas. But I said to uh, my friend uh, Bobby that I've known since he was 50, he's now 84. Uh, but I said, your son is actually my first experience into any college kid whatsoever. I said, I never went to college. So your son at 24 and I was 24, your son was the very first person I ever met that ever went to college, but not just college, but student body president, you know, UCLA superstar and just stud. And 
Um, so it was just wild of uh, moving out into drugs. And so I just said, you know what, I got to make some changes. And maybe there's some people that are listening or watching right now that go, yeah, I got to make some changes. You got to make changes. And one of the biggest changes people got to make and that I needed to make was who I was hanging out with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I, was, I, w- I was always told that if you go down with dogs, you're going to come up with fleas. And so I had to really, you know, begin to notice and look around going, okay, dude, if you stay here, you can continue to do drugs. You can continue to drink. You're going to probably just die. You know, I mean, you're going to probably just die with everybody else in town. And so I borrowed $50 from a friend. I boarded a Greyhound bus out of downtown Sacramento and I headed out and took on my life from that point forward. And so, you know, when I look back from 19 before that, it was all overcoming, resilience, overcoming, overcoming, overcoming. It's like, go ahead, throw me in the garage, do it again, do it again. I don't, it doesn't matter. It just, I, I'll deal with whatever comes at me. You know, you just bring it on. And uh, the more they bring, that person brings it on, the deeper and more, more of a, you know, more of everything is it's necessary for me. I don't know. God is going, okay, dude, we're going to toughen you up because you got a big world to take on. We're going to toughen it, whatever, however that looked like. But it, I don't know if there was, it was a big setup to get me so strong and intense in my life. And um, so I moved to Los Angeles, was out in Los Angeles for several years, just kind of dabbling around, doing nothing and nothing, doing some, a little bit of real estate. It's in the mortgage business, floundered out there, got really flustered. Ultimately just got to a place where I had no car, no job, no money. And I just had nothing. And now I'm like really stuck because I'm in Los Angeles, a much bigger city, don't really know people. And I'm just like flat out. And I had a friend of mine, he said, well, well maybe you should go see Tony Robbins. And maybe you should go to his office. We could just go meet, go see the next guy, Tony. Now I'd heard of Tony because I'd been listening to Personal Power, and, um, mm-hmm. his early 1990s audio program. And I, you know, listened yep. to that thing over and, so Tony was definitely on my radar. So, you know, when my friend's like, dude, you should just go to Tony's office. I said, well, I'm just going to go there. You know, I'll just go there. If he can help me, I might as well just go. And so it was only three hours away. So I had a friend drive me uh, to that to that place, to, to Tony's office. And, you know, I go to the front desk and the lady's like, uh, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here to see Tony Robbins. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm here to see Tony Robbins. I heard he can help me. I've got some things I need to get help with. <laughs> Tony can help me. The lady's like, um, it doesn't really doesn't work that way. <laughs> so I want, that's why we have audio programs and books and things. Just go to the library, get yourself a quick read on the book. And so I just, you know, I'm like, you mean, so he's not available. He's, not, he's like, no, he doesn't just do drop-ins. I'm like, well, can I just like hang out in the lobby for a minute then and just, you know, chill in one of the two, she's like, do whatever you want. And so I'm sitting there in the lobby and all of a sudden I heard Tony, Tony's big voice. I'm like, oh my God, that's Tony. I'm like, he's somewhere around me. Where is he? <laughs> so I got up out of my chair and I go down, look down the hallway, and all of a sudden, Tony's and his posse and all of his people are coming right at me. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. Like, success is coming at me. <laughs> like, I don't right. even have to walk. I don't even have to walk to it. It's coming right at me. <laughs> like, I love it. Yeah, I'm like, this is super cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm like, just show up, right? And things will just come at you. You just hold your ground. And so they were getting into the elevator. They were coming towards the elevator and I was standing right in front of the elevator. So it just worked out. So I jumped into the elevator and said, hi, I'm Brett Figueroa. And 
took his big ass hand, his hands like a just this huge monster of a hand. And he's just a monster of a huge guy. Anyways, you're like so intimidated when you get around Tony because you're you feel like that tall. Like you just I have can like, only imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like because he's so massive in size. So um, so yeah. So I walked him out to his car and I went to work with him um, several months later. They I went in, they there was a position which ultimately I ran the position throughout the country. But in my early minutes of going to work with Tony, I wanted that position, which was what I call the Navy SEAL six. Now, of course, it's not the Navy SEAL six, but it's kind of a, it's his best of the best. It's his creme de la creme. It's the sharpshooters of sharpshooters that represent Tony on the road, traveling 48 weeks out of the year on Tony's dime. It's super, super cool. And I thought, well, that's what I want to do. Like, that sounds super cool. I don't have any money or car anyways. And if Tony's going to pay for everything, I'm in. So, so, so I, I came, they gave me a shot at that. And I came in to do my presentation in front and the sale and his sales lady, Deborah, it was this big ass um, conference room, like huge conference room. And she sets at one end of the conference room and she goes, well, go down there. And it's like, it was almost like she was pointing down a football field, like go down there. And I have this flip chart and she goes, go down there and present and tell us what would you say if you were selling for tony robbins like if you were pitching one of his programs or pitching one of his this mm -hmm. i fumbled and failed and fell over backwards i had no i'm like dude i had no clue i had nothing so i didn't hear anything back now that would have been the creme de la creme de la creme job right if i could have pulled that one off out of thin air like that you know but i didn't so i went back to doing nothing and i got a phone call about four months later and they said, well, we got a job for you. And I said, well, that sounds really great. That's it. They go, well, it's in the boiler room. It starts at $7.25 an hour. Um, and it's setting appointments for the guys on the road. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I want to be the guy on the road. I don't want to be setting the appointment for the guy on the road. I want to be the guy on the road doing the appointment. Got to earn your stripes, right? Got to earn yeah. your stripes. So I, reluctantly, I chose to, to take that position on and I moved three hours away and uh, moved into my friend Baron O'Brien's house, one of my mentors in San Diego, my same age, and he was a rich guy, rich friend. I was always told that if you're poor, live with rich people, like because you can't have two poor people in the same house. It doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so someone's got to have some money. <laughs> it's like, you got money? No. You got me? No. It's like. The, get out move go i, I need someone to got some <laughs> bank bro bring some bring some bank um so yeah so i moved in with my friend was put the office about 20 miles away and so i had to figure out how i was going to get to work because i didn't have a car and uh so baron used to drop me off out of his limo um at the bus stop in downtown san diego and i'd get out and i was always dressed to the nines i was always dressed like i owned the building I never dressed like I was a boiler room guy banging calls for 10 hours a day. That was never me. I was the guy that suit, tie, mm -hmm. shirt. We're in Dressed San Diego. for success. <laughs> yeah. So the other, the other guys and gals in the office, you know, they wore flip-flops and t-shirts. We were in San Diego close to the ocean, you know? So like to them, they're just like, dude, I'm on the phone, bro. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to the top. <laughs> and we'll have a different dress code. Should you come to work with me? <laughs> so I find, so I go at $7 and 50 cents an hour. Baron drops me off at the bus stop. I get into the bus. Bus takes about an hour to get to work. 
I go to work, I bank calls nine hours a day. At the end of the day, I get back on the bus. The bus then takes me back downtown. I get downtown, I get out of the bus, I get into a train. The train takes me inland. I get out of the train, jump into a cab, and then the cab brings me home. And I'm making $7.25 an hour. So I basically have no money. You know, paying yeah. everything and just, and just transit, just to, just on a, I'm, I'm there on a hope, a wish, and a prayer that something great is going to happen. Right. You know, something really is great is going to happen. So after about maybe four or five months inside the office, uh, they, they, uh, they pulled me and they said, well, Brett, we're going to put you on the road. Like just out of boom. And it, they really were giving me a shot because what they really wanted to do was fire my ass. Because I was just too much inside the office. I was too loud. I was too bombastic. I was too much. I was too eccentric. <laughs> They're like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I, was, I was really animated. And I was, I was super excited about life and what I was doing. So they said, well, we can't fire him. We have no reason or no means to fire him. But if we put him on the road with the guys, they'll eat him up like shark meat. So let's put him on the road with the guys. Let's get him out of the corporate office. He's not an inside guy, clearly. Let's get him on the outside. Let's put him in San Francisco. The guys are in San Fran right now. Tony will be doing a seminar in about two and a half to three weeks. We'll put Brad out there for the remaining two and a half, three weeks, see how he does. Well, they called the shot to do that. I show up out there. They start training me, start watching meetings, start selling, start doing it. Two and a half, three weeks later, the seminar comes into town. Tony's on one, Tony's on the stage doing the thing. Sales manager brings me off to the side and gives me the, we like you, you're awesome, you're amazing, and we got to let you go. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they found the reason to let me go. They found it right there. Let's, the guy sucks. The guy ain't going to do nothing. He's not going to, guys, he doesn't have any game. Let's get him out of here. So they got me out of there. And they said, uh, I said, well, I said, dude, I ain't got no money, no car, no, no. Let's figure it out. You're out of here. I'm like, oh, damn, that was a short little, <laughs> short little stint. So they said, well, we're leaving Los Angeles. And they said, uh, we can't do anything about where you decide to go in this, in the country. You want to go to Los Angeles? Go to Los Angeles. That's where you stemmed from anyways. Went from LA to San Diego. Go back to LA. You probably know some people. They said, it's all up to you. They said, but we ain't giving you a car. We're not giving you housing. We're not giving you leads. We're not giving you money. We're not giving you appointments. We're giving you nothing, dude. But if you want to go sell for Tony, cause he's so awesome. How about it? Wow. And I was like, and I was like, Oh damn. I said, Oh man. See, I was on a crusade to help people. I was on a crusade to make a difference. I was on a crusade to impact, to empower, to move, to motivate, to inspire. I was on a crusade at that juncture of my life. I wasn't out to make money. It was not my crusade whatsoever. That's why I went to work for Tony for seven fifty an hour. It wasn't like, oh, let me go get rich. I'm like, dude, they're paying you yeah. seven fifty an hour, bro, and you might not even make it. So, you know, good luck on this one. Uh, so it wasn't about that. Uh, it was just really about making an impact. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to go. I don't know where I'm staying. I don't know where I'm living. I don't know what's happening. I got nothing. So I go there, and for a bit of time, I was homeless and just just dabbling in the streets, just hanging out. Figuring, what the hell am I doing? What am I, what am I doing out here? So finally I got a friend that had a boat out in the marina and a small boat, just a small, you know, and I'm jammed up into the front of this little tiny boat. And I said, forget about it, dude, you got a place to stay. Now get, get, get up and get showered. 
So I'd go to the community shower there in the marina and I'd shower, put on my suit, put on my tie. Uh, back when I had hair, I'd blow dry it. All the guys, I can, you know, you had blow dry and feathered hair. <laughs> a goody comb, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and I'd get everybody else all flip flops and getting ready to go out to the marina, take their yacht, their boats, have a great day. And I'm going to make it happen. I got my suit, my tie. Now I go out and I'm like, all right, where's the phone booth? I need a phone booth. So I'd find a phone booth that would just be parked somewhere. You remember you drive down the street, yeah. bam, there's a phone booth. Yeah. Well, I'd have a phone booth that would just be parked just in a place. I'd have a phone book in a hotel, a phone book in a hotel. And I'd go in and I'd have a pocket full of dimes. I'd grab the phone book and I would bang calls, bang calls, bang calls, bang calls. And I'd call companies, say, hi, I'm Brett Figueroa. I'm with Tony Robbins. We're in town. We're doing this, 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 and this. And I'd get them all pumped up, all excited. They said, oh, that sounds awesome. Why don't you come out? Why don't you, we got 10 guys here, come in. We do our sales trainings on Tuesdays. We'd love to see you. Come on out. Once I put the, all the details together, I'm like, I don't have a car. Train, our bus is going to take me a little bit over two hours to get this appointment. He says 10 are going to be there. Probably six will show. Three are going to be half dead. Two will be in a coma. I might have one live person to actually talk to. <laughs> I'm like, I had to take a risk in a bed of like, am I going right. to sit myself on a bus at a bus stop, get into a bus, put in my little quarter, take me anywhere I need to go in town on a hope, wish, and a prayer that this meeting is actually even going to happen. Well, long story short, I made everything happen. I made sales happen. I made things happen. Buses, trains, phone booths, boats. Like I just made it happen. All the other guys on the team were like, dude, they had a cush, right? They had, their lives were cush. And they're watching this grunt of a guy just doing things that are just so non-traditional, way, way off the beaten path, way off the beaten path. And so Tony, we had dinner at the Magic Castle in Hollywood and Tony, uh, I was invited to that dinner and Tony said, hey, anybody that's willing to do what you just did, dude, you're a man after my own heart, bro. You are back on this team. Nice. And I'm so like, how... I'm like, yeah. So how long was that time period where you were, you know, quote fired, but you were still working for him? Like, okay, yeah, I'm still going to do this. So how long did that yep. last? So that would have lasted from there to there a short period of time of about 10 to 12 weeks. Okay. Which is usually, it would depend upon how long that city was, Los Angeles. We had a tendency to, to do an overstay in that just because it's a big territory for us to be able to market to. And since we're in the city, we just would extend. So that was a short stint in terms of how much pain that I needed to go through. I just a couple months, a uh, bit up i guess you know thereabouts 60 to 90 days not anything horrific so i was back on car apartment leads sales trainings i'm with the team we're running we're having a great time and so, where things yep go ahead i was just gonna say so what was it that you found within yourself that you didn't have when you were on board with them like what where so, what was that shift that took place Okay, so I'm going to open that up to an answer in just a, a moment because I'm going to carry okay. on just a half a bit, set of, just a bit further down the path on this, and then we're going to shift 
we can shift gears and Perfect. answer that because I think that some of that will get answered in my as I go. So I was brought back on love and life. Everything's awesome. And then I got to a place with that where I began to self-sabotage. So I began to have success, more success than I'd ever had. I'm on a, I'm on a team, Tony's elite team, traveling, all expenses paid. I'm this, I'm just this dorky, dorky dude that boarded a Greyhound bus with no money. You know, 50 borrowed dollars, he just took on things. I'm like, I don't have any extra special, you know, anything. And so I started to sabotage. I'm like, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not deserving of it. I started to self-implode, we'll say. And my numbers were not hitting where my numbers needed to be. So here's where it all turned around. December 15th, 1996. So I believe that we have a day that can turn it all around. I just yes. believe we have a day, a moment, a time, an mm -hmm. experience, a something, a something clicks in and goes boom. And it all turns around from that point forward. And so for me, that turned around in that point forward. So December 15th, 1996, the rest of my team is being invited to Tony Robbins' house in La Jolla, California, beachfront, big, beautiful estate right on the ocean in La Jolla, California, big, beautiful. I'm being diverted to my sales manager's office in, at the corporate office just a few miles down the road. And I'm like, why am I being, what? well, you guys go to a party. I'm going to the sales manager's office. What's up? I walk into my sales manager's office, and when I walked in there, Deborah's sitting there at her desk, she's give it, and she got pink papers on her desk. She's Brad, we love you, we like you, you're awesome, you're amazing, and we gotta let you go. We just need a signature here, we're we're done. We need to part ways here. And I, I'm just like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm. I'm just beside myself. I'm just don't even know how to handle this one. And so I just recognized in that moment, I had one or two things. It was either dude, step up or step aside. Then it was either step aside, make room for someone else and feel committed, bro. Cause clearly you got issues. And I said, no, I said, I didn't start this. I said, I didn't start this to end this like this. No way. I told her, I said, you can't fire me. And I said, I ain't going anywhere. I said, you will need to call security because I'm not leaving. And I was pretty intense. I'd just let her know, I'll, dude, I'll break every record. I'll break every this. I'll break every that. She's just looking for a signature, not a debate. And she's, she, her eyes were like lit up like, because I was just was, no, dude, I'm not leaving. You cannot fire me. I'm not going anywhere. Call whoever you need to call because I'm real clear. I'll break every record in this company from this point forward. She got that in her eyes and she's like, okay, I'll give you one more shot. God damn, one more. She gave me that one more shot. I showed up at Tony's house. Big Tony answers the door. He's like, oh. like you're supposed to be fired. <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> we, I told my guys to let you go. <laughs> you must be really good. <laughs> <laughs> you must be real good because my guys are the best and you got through them. And you got to my house when I told them, don't even let you close to my oh, house. Wow. <laughs> wow. So then I went on and I left out of there and, and I, I ultimately started taking my income up to 3000 a check and 5,000 a check, 7,000 got to 10,000. I was like, God, this is nice, man. I'm making some coin. I said, dude, you got something under the grill, bro. I said, you need to really go for it. 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to do something nobody's ever seen before, at least right here in this organization. I said, I'm going to go do something crazy. I said, I made 10,000 on this paycheck. Next one, I'll make a hundred. Wow. I said, just, I'm going to go make a hundred thousand dollars. My next paycheck, I made over a hundred thousand dollars. No kidding. <laughs> I broke every record, every income record, everything that company has ever seen or done. I coached Jarek Robbins, Tony's son. I coached his son or his son-in-law, Scott. Tony brought me in to speak on stage at his company, to his company, uh, sharing my story. And Tony's like four rows away back there with notes. What did you say that again? What was that like? It was so awesome. We got done afterwards. Him and I went and had lunch together just in a booth and just him and I, it was super cool. And uh, afterwards we got done and he's like, dude, listen, you and Shelly, my ex-wife, she's like, you guys are invited to come to Fiji. You know, we got all expense. We got you cut. And I got done. And I'm like, that's funny. When I first came to work with them, I made $7 and 25 cents for that hour. And now I spend an hour. <laughs> come to Fiji. It's on me. <laughs> like, like, you know so i i look at and so and just to kind of close up on that so you know there's so many you know little elements i don't speak to people in my work through theory through concepts through you know you know yeah i read on so and so and so book and on chapter 12 on paragraph three that you know if you really get after it in life you can make some great things happen that's not how i i i lead by example and from, you know, from dude, it, I'm sure I'm not just speaking rhetoric here, bro. This is stuff that really works. The only way I know is because it worked with me. Um, so it's real live. Uh, my oldest son, as you know, I didn't go to college or do any of that kind of stuff. But my oldest son graduated high school with a 4.5. Um, he got a quarter of a million dollar scholarship. Um, he went to Budapest. Um, he's a full blown Eagle Scout. He's in uh, working on his master's for math right now. Uh, he's also uh, the professor's assistant, which is super cool. My middle son, Grant, um, is a big, beautiful 22 year old kid on the 8th of this month. Uh, my, yeah, 22. His focus right now is to be on the PGA tour. So the only thing he does is work and play, uh, work, play. Everything is golf, work is golf, play is golf. It. It's all golf, 100%. Keeps himself 100% disciplined. Uh, and then I have a 17-year-old daughter uh, that's just the angel of my eye. Um, and so, you know, but again, it's just like, you know, people let their stories hinder them. And, you know, for those, and I know my story's a little bit lengthy and, you know, some people can go, God damn, dude, that's a long story. But, you know, again, my story was much shorter in my earlier days because the only thing I shared was the Tony Robbins story forward. And right. nobody had any clue. What do you mean you burned down your dad's house? What do you mean you were in a foster home? What do you mean you were slept on garage floors? You mean that house that I used to party at all the time? <laughs> you guys, you were sleeping on the garage? Like nobody knew. I was right. really good. My mom was a deep alcoholic. So you were really good at concealing things. Yeah. You know, you were really good that when you went to school and you had black and blue marks, you were good at just saying you fell. You know, yeah. and uh, so I just, you know, viewers or watchers that, you know, that are willing to hang on. I'm actually writing a book uh, right now on the whole kind of a memoir, kind of what I just shared with you, but deep, deeper and more details right. and colorful, all that. But I, I did for your listener, just kind of throw the whole thing into because I just really at the end of the day, it's like I, I just had so many things thrown just like, boom, dude, figure it out. Right. Figure it out. You ain't got a place to live. Figure it out. You ain't got a, 
yeah, but who? How, I don't have my cell phone, and I can't prospect. <laughs> Screw you and your cell phone. Go get a pay phone. <laughs> Go get something you got to drop quarters <laughs> into. They're still out there somewhere. <laughs> Doesn't even matter, dude. I can't get to my meeting. I don't have a car, dude. Walk. It ain't that far. You need the exercise, anyways. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> so if you could just sum up, yep, for the listeners, yeah, what. What is that real driving force that you have? Because so many people can't overcome their stories. And yet yeah. you still were able to do it because that's not, that's not, that's not easy for anybody to, to go to that level of success. I, I, I believe that for me, it's really just, I'm just, I grew up as a boxer. So and growing up as a boxer, you're just, and I still to this day, I'm in the gym seven days a week. I'm on the mat in the gym five days a week, Monday through Friday. And I never fail. I have zero fail. So like, I don't have this, oh, I think I'm going to go in the morning. No, that's zero dialogue or conversation. I go seven days a week. And so to this day, I go Monday through Friday. I'm there by 530, not later. And then Saturdays and Sundays, I'm there by 630. Um, keep a really, really tight diet, keep really strong hydration, keep prayer hot top of list, uh, just lots of little things that I, that I like to do. And so I like to kind of tap into, I guess, the equity that's inside. I know I am a Christian. I know that God's put in a lot of equity and if I, I'm willing to tap into it. Um, but I think that I've just have had so many things come at me that I could never, like, I just look and go, well, what's the alternative? Yeah. You know, if I don't fight for it, like, what's the alternative? Yeah. Like if I don't fight to have my kids do great, like what's the alternative? My kid comes up to me, my 6'10 kid, it's like, I'm a big thinker. And I have been my whole life. I've always been a big thinker. I never knew how the hell I'd ever get rich, but my thinking always was, dude, you're going to be rich. <laughs> how? how? <laughs> my dad used to ask me all the time, you know, what are you going to do for a living? I don't know. What are you going to do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I think that people have got to have like a sense of resilience inside of them. I just have resilience. I'm just like when the boxing guy would come at me or a light would come at me, I'm like, dude, bring it on. Just bring it on, bro. So I'll I'll, I'll end on this with you if you need to, but I had a, um, so my gym is 3.6 miles away. And so I was like, uh, somebody can't come and take my car, stole my car. Like they packaged up my car and took my car and said, oh, this looks like a nice car. I'm going to take it. And so they took my car. And so there was a bit of time in there that I wanted to go and say, dude, take my car, bro. I'll, I'm going to make it to the gym now. I could find all kinds of means. I could go get a rental in the meantime. I could go, you know, my insurance is going to take a bit, a bit to, you know, act. Dude, I got lots of options, but you know what? I don't care if you take my car. You can't take my drive. My alarm went off. My alarm went off every single morning at 3.55 a.m. I was on my pavement at 4.15 sharp. I would run 3.6 miles to the gym. And I would work out for an hour and a half. I'd run 3.6 miles home. 
and I was on to breakfast by 8 a.m. this side of 8 a.m. and I'd already put in 7.2 miles in an hour and a half. I'm like, dude, bring it on, bro. Here, you want another one to steal that one too? Wow. <laughs> it's like, just take two, bro. Because you can't take my drive. You can't take my will. You can't take my resilience. You can't take my determination. You can't take my commitment. You can take my car though. Take it all day long. But you can't take these other equities because they're inside of me. Mm. I would have to give them to you. And I ain't giving you that, bro. But you can have my car. Do you need it that bad? I love it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's just my thoughts, you know? Yeah. So, Brett, where can people uh, find out more about you and the programs that you offer? They can go to my website, Brett Figueroa International. Uh, dot com brettfigueroainternational.com also feel free and text me i'm a really big texter and i love you know having the ability when whether it be um i just love to i'm a i'm a communicator right so i love to be back and forth with people and so it's not very often when you go on podcast people give out their cell phone but i love it you know, as long as it's not some whack job. Of course. <laughs> it's like, hi, hi, I'm the whack job you were talking about. <laughs> but yeah, somebody can feel free all day long. And I'm, I keep myself really open, really available. I just love to be able to, because I just, I've been very, very, very blessed um, in my life. And I've been very blessed by having the right people around me when I needed them most, when I really needed them most. When I couldn't have access to them unless they made themselves available to me. Like my friend I was just sharing with you on the, uh, that I was on the phone with, it's 84 and I've known him since he was 50, whatever, one, two, 52. Like he was the first one. His son taught me UCLA graduate, superstar kid. Dad taught me money. Dad taught me mentorship. Dad taught me leadership. I got to live in their big, beautiful mansion in Los Angeles. Like, they taught me all these wonderful things, but they didn't have to. Right. Like, I don't have to take somebody's call. But if somebody right. reaches out to me, it's like, dude, I got a quick question for you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that call in a second with that person. When I was a loan officer, I'll leave a hook on this, but I remember I was a loan officer and I was a struggling loan officer. And as a loan officer, one of your jobs is to call on real estate agents to build relationships with realtors, et cetera. And so I'm scrappy. I'm using my girlfriend's car. I'm not banging any business. I'm you know, making no money. And I called the number one real estate agent in the world with Century 21. And she only lives just like a couple hours away from me. And I thought, well, I'm going to call Marty. Now all my friends look, all, all my friends, all my friends now think I'm just a whack job because they're like, dude, it's Marty Rodriguez. There's no way. She's not going to take your call, bro. And even if she does, she's going to blow you off like second grade. I called Marty that night. It's not 10 o'clock at night. I was all nervous. I didn't know what the heck I was going to say. I was praying that she didn't answer. <laughs> at least I could say I called. Well, not only did Marty take my call that night, Marty said, hey, Brett, why don't you come and have dinner with my family and I? Marty and I have been the best. Marty and I have been the best of friends for 31 years. And she brought me in at a time in my life when I had nothing. She just made herself available to me. And for as long as I've ever known Marty, now for 31 years, she's always been number one in the world or number one in the U.S., always, with one of the largest real estate companies in the world, Century 21. Mm -hmm. And so Marty's always said, if people take the time to call me, Brett, like you did, I'm, I'm down, bro. Let's do it. <laughs> well, and you just gave another example 
of who you surround yourself with. Cause you started yeah. out saying, <clears throat> excuse me, you started out saying yeah. you were surrounding yourself with people that were using drugs and, and, yeah. and look what happened when you surrounded yourself with people because you were able to be mentored by them. Yeah. I was able to be mentored by them and I just had enough chutzpah. I had enough chutzpah to, to pick up the call, pick up the phone to Marty. And now I've just made that a practice over my, all these years I've been doing my work. I go, well, Marty said, yes. I wonder who else will say yes. <laughs> you know? So I've been very blessed with the yes, uh, just because I make the call when others go, yeah, but they probably won't answer. or They probably won't say yes. Or yeah, but dude, what if they do? Mm. You are such so, a great example of resilience, determination, and thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure and a privilege. Awesome. And I know that people are really going to get, get a lot of golden nuggets from this conversation. So, well, I appreciate that, Sandy. And I'm really glad we, we decided to pull it off today because I was ready. I mean, I, I wasn't ready. I for, had forgot or never got. <laughs> I have somebody, I, I have a phone, certain thing going on. Anyways, that's a whole nother topic. But, um, we made Anyways, it happen really and we're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> timing was timing was spot on perfect. So like it couldn't really have got any better on timing. So that's why I was like, let's this. just roll because I feel really great. So I'm glad oh, we were able to pull it off. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me on. And uh I don't think I gave my number 720 6725783720. Six seven two five seven eight three. Feel free, pop out a text, introduce yourself, what have you. Love to have, go into chat or do uh, some dialogue. Uh, for those that are out there, you're like, hey, you know, I got a quick question. Again, we always love to support uh, people that are out there that are committed to breaking through and getting to the next level. So uh, again, thank you, Sandy, for having us on today. It's awesome. Thank you, Brett. You're awesome. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.